1: By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We've got a big call to make. It's official now, NBC projects Florida goes to President Donald Trump. We've been watching this all night. We've been very careful, but this is going to go into the Trump column an absolute must yeah. win for him. This is a little bit how it went in the early hours of election night four years ago, if you remember. It's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment, and we will win this, and as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. So I just want to thank you.
0: Welcome to Review America, a podcast wrestling with democracy. I am Brian Mann from the great state of New York, and joining me from the great state of Virginia is Nate Milton. And I say great, but I'm not feeling super great. Um, You know, Nate, we thought it'd be fun to get this band back together. Last time we did one of these episodes, uh, we weren't super great. (laughs) You know, it was the the day uh, after the 2016 election. We thought, hey, maybe we can have a fun reunion little special here. And uh, here we are coming at you from um, Selection Night, about 11.30, uh, if I'm rounding up, on uh, Tuesday. And, um, Nate, what happened? It, it happened again. It, ha- it Donald, The polls, it's...
2: Here we are again. Yeah. Yeah, see, here's the thing, Brian, and, and what's up to you and, and the listeners out there, but the thing is, the, the, the beautiful thing about democracy is that people have a voice, uh, but... The flip side of that, brother, is that their voice isn't always going to be aligned with yours, and so oh and, yeah. And I and know the flip there's... side
0: of that is sometimes depending on where they live, their voice means more. But you know, hey, yes. that, who knew that bite us in the ass twice?
2: Well, that's the thing, man. Like, like you know, uh, uh, a great American question mark once said, you know, there's an old saying in ten, in Texas and maybe in Tennessee. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, Brian, man you're not going to get fooled again. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of Americans were fooled again. Uh, but the thing is, Brian, like, I I don't want this episode to be just like an hour and a half of gloom and doom because, yes, I know there's a lot of people that are feeling anxious right now and mad and frustrated uh, and feel like America has turned their back on them. But I, I do feel like we can we can still fight, Brian, man. There's still hope out there, brother.
0: I mean – it just it's it's so frustrating because we're looking at this and for for weeks for months, uh, everyone has said that Joe Biden will get more votes. That has not been a debate. Everyone knows Joe Biden will get more votes than Donald Trump, but that's not how we elect presidents. And unfortunately, mm. it's the Electoral College. And you know, even though they haven't called it yet, uh, I just wanted to jump on here because I I I don't know what my mood's going to be like tomorrow. I don't know what my energy is going to be like tomorrow. So like, while yeah. I still have a little bit. Uh, of hope here you know we're just looking at how these states are coming in uh wisconsin michigan pennsylvania um florida
2: it, it, florida Flo- it feels like always florida
0: always you know and maybe we just need to i think moving forward the big lesson we've learned is florida that's a red state we don't need to really worry about it we don't need to worry about campaigning yep. there throw it I mean, out it's like, like
2: georgia like georgia's never going to be blue brian like there are certain things we have to accept this fact moving forward
0: and everyone yeah i'm we have both spent time in atlanta People kept telling me George is going to turn, George is going to flip, and I was like, no, I'm not going to get my hopes up. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen while I was there. If it didn't happen for Barack Obama, it's mm. not going to happen for Joe Biden.
2: I, I mean, yeah, if, if Barack couldn't get it done, there's no way that Uncle Joe would have been able to sway those folks. At... Hold on. Brian, Brian, do you hear that? Yeah, I, I, I think I do. You, do you hear that music? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen. The mail-in ballots are arriving. The mail-in ballots are arriving. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. Former Vice President Joe Biden
1: will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. The people of this nation have spoken.
2: They've delivered us
1: a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory for we, the people. Time out.
0: Y'all take a chill. Welcome to Review America, a podcast wrestling with democracy. I am Brian Mann from the great state of New York, and joining me from the great state of Virginia, Nate Milton. Nate, we did it. We successfully stole the 2020 election.
2: Oh, yes. As as, as the great Eddie Guerrero once said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So I'd like to thank everybody that voted three or four times like myself. Oh. Mm. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm I'm going to stop cuz I don't want to give anybody any fuel for their wild conspiracy theories. But this is a joyous occasion, Brian man, that uh you know, it feels like America, I'm not going to go as far as to say America is back or anything extreme like that, Brian, but I do feel like something's happening right now in America. Uh, maybe a repudiation of certain thoughts and certain people in particular, Brian man.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And actually one actually one thing I'm to disagree with you uh, on there, Nate. Do I think this election was stolen? No. But you know what? If it was, who cares? <laughs> that's politics, y'all. Look at everything Donald's, Donald Trump's
2: done for the last four years, and now you're going to complain about the rule book? Fuck off. Mm. And, and see, here's the thing, Brian, because I know a lot of people look to me as, as the positive one of, of our team and the one that's always hopeful, uh, always looking forward. And yes, they will – come a time in this episode where we do strike a conciliatory tone and a healing tone for this nation. But right now, Like, y'all gonna get these jokes for the next (laughs) 45 minutes, okay? Everybody that supported Donald Trump, everybody that was out here wearing your MAGA hats, everybody that was out here saying all lives matter and blue lives matter, you gonna get these jokes, you gonna get all this pettiness for at least the next 25 to 35 minutes. And and Mr. Trump, may I address you directly, sir, when I say this on behalf of the American people, because the people have spoken, I just want to say one thing, sir, you about to lose your job. (laughs) <laughs> you about to lose your job. Get this dance, Trump.
0: <laughs> it, it, it is wild. You you mention all that and even just saying things like all lives matter and blue lives matter. and all These were not phrases we were talking about four years ago <laughs> mm. just to really show you how many things have come up over the last four years and how wild and insane these last four years have been. And obviously we're not going to go back and recap all of that. I think it's honestly quite – a lot of stuff that we probably don't want to recap or, or really dwell on, um, because I do think you make a good point of looking forward. But let's go ahead and start with this election itself. Um, and we joked about it, this idea that the thing was was stolen. And uh, the, the theft that had kind of been talked about ahead of time was people thinking that Donald Trump was going to somehow, they're going to take this thing to the courts and it's going to be Florida 2000 again, and we're it's going to get in mm. front of the Supreme Court, and they're going to... And that's a valid fear. It happened once. It happened in 2000. I think the big difference here, though, was the fact that this election did not come down to a handful of votes in one place like it did Mm -hmm. in Florida. In Florida, you essentially got to a point where it's like, uh oh, one of the guys is up by 500. If we keep counting these votes, he might lose that. Uh, let's, you know, let's toss that out. And it was an extremely close election everywhere else. Um, and Al Gore won by half a million votes in the popular vote nationwide. We're in a situation where Joe Biden's probably going to win by five million votes in multiple states. The Trump campaign's message has to be, hey, stop counting the votes here, but keep counting the votes here. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that cannot be uh, understated, and I think this was maybe the, the major takeaway of the, of the Trump presidency, and we'll, we'll talk about the Trump presidency and our, our diagnosis of it, uh, is just how lazy... He was. I think Donald Trump honestly wanted to steal this thing, but he wanted someone else to do it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Like, here's the thing, Brian. Like, I watch a lot of different political pundits on various channels, you know, your your MSNBC, your CNN. I even dabble in Fox News because I do want to hear what that other side is talking about. But for me, there's one man above all who I go to for my political insight. And that's Chris from L.A., the the, the, the professor, my, my very own <laughs> Steve Kornacki, a.k.a. Steve Kornacki, because that brother always has the right numbers. And and the whole time leading up to this, he kept telling me, Nate, Biden's going to win this. Nate, Biden's going to win this. Donald Trump can't beat Joe, but he can <clears throat> cheat Joe. And so mm-hmm. that was the one thing that was giving me hope through this whole process, even on election night, Brian, when it started to look bleak. It was like the numbers just aren't there for Trump. And Like like you said, like there were so many ways I think Trump could have worked harder to get this election. Like maybe step one, don't tell all of your supporters that mail in balloting doesn't work and it's a fraud and it's a it's not a good system, because I think that ultimately came back to bite him, Brian. And it's just like little steps here or there, you know, maybe be more unifying during the racial unrest over the summer, maybe having a better handle on COVID-19. Like there are so many things Trump could have done to make this a cakewalk, but he didn't want to put the work in. He, you know, he wanted all the benefits. He, he wanted all the glory, but he didn't want to put the work in. It's like the grasshopper and the ant, Brian, man. See, Donald Trump was the grasshopper, just big old fat orange grasshopper, just out here playing around and saying whatever you want to say. Joe Biden, little sleepy Aunt Joe Biden, was out there just working hard all winter. And then when the storm came, the grasshopper is out there in the cold, and Joe Biden is warm and living good in the White House. And that's the moral of that story.
0: (laughs) I I think that (laughs) – You're right. I mean, you mentioned that you know he can't beat Joe, but he can he could cheat Joe, and that was my feeling all along. When I would talk to friends over the summer, they'd be like freaking out, like "Oh my god!" Like you know, he won last time, blah blah blah. And my big takeaway that I had to keep telling them was: there's really no world where Trump will get more votes Mm. than Joe Biden. He did get more votes than Hillary Clinton, but we don't know what voting is going to look like. You know, we don't know if mm-hmm. it's going to be mail in. We don't know how it's going to affect all this stuff. This is back when COVID like was first hitting, and it's like we don't know what they might do to make this harder. Not
2: for to mention, to vote. Brian. Not <clears> to <throat> mention the sickness of voter suppression, which was around yeah. long before COVID.
0: Well, and, you know, having mail-in voting and stressing early voting. These were things that made it a lot easier for people to come out and vote on both sides, on both mm-hmm. sides. I think that's why you also saw Trump having a huge increase. Just more people participated in this election. And if there's anything good, hopefully that continues. Some of these trends continue once even COVID is gone. Hopefully we embrace mail-in ballot, uh, voting. Hopefully we embrace, you know, uh, early voting as, as well and make it a lot easier for people to participate. Uh, but, yeah, when it came down to it— I think it was the theme of the Trump presidency of just how surprisingly undisciplined and lazy Donald Trump was. In 2016, you had a guy like Steve Bannon who was able to take all of Trump's crazy ramblings and kind of form a cohesive worldview around all of it. This time around... You've got Trump out here ranting about Lady Gaga and Pavarotti in like the last week before the election. He has no concrete plans. He puts forth no actual agenda of anything that he wants to do uh, in a second term. And the thing that is so wild about Trump is that the media was so – they were so ready for this guy to just be a normal president Like how many times did we see headlines, oh, Trump changes his tone, a more somber Mm -hmm. Trump, you know, oh, he really became president today. It would have been so easy for this guy to get brownie points, and he just could not do it.
2: Like the bar was so low, Brian. The bar was on the floor. Let's go back to that last debate between Trump and Biden. Mm -hmm. And just because Trump was 10 percent less of an asshole than he was at the first debate, people are like, oh, this is a more reserved, a more professional, a more presidential Donald Trump. It's like if that's the standard, then where are we as a country?
0: Exactly. It's it's one of those things that I think – it's weird because we, we've had to – I feel like with, with this whole Trump presidency is that – I guess I'll ask it to you this way. Um, do you think this has revealed – Something about us? Do you think what, – what do you think are the main takeaways, I guess, of the Trump presidency? Because for me, uh, my main uh, – the thing that doesn't get stressed enough, and I think this election really revealed it, is that Donald Trump, to win the first time, so many things had to go exactly wrong. Mm. You know, uh, the the black vote in Detroit had to be down a certain amount so that he ends up winning, uh, you know, Michigan by 10 points uh, or by, by, by 10,000 votes. I mean, uh, you know, you had to have enough third party, uh, you know, uh, support in Wisconsin that he wins that by an extremely slim margin. Uh, all of these little things had to go, you know, wrong in just the right way. You know, mm. James Comey has to come out with a letter a week before the election. Uh, The Republican Party has to change their primary rules so that all of their states become winner-take-all, so that Trump gets the nomination while never receiving more than 40% of the vote in their primary. Like all of these little things had to go wrong to end up in this place, and then suddenly you end up, like the John Mulaney joke, the horse in a hospital situation where it's like we've got this guy who should not be here, and we all kind of have to act like that's normal.
2: Well, yeah, you also have to factor in, like, as qualified as she was, Hillary was not the the ideal candidate, in my opinion. And so all of that factors in. And so when you talk about what has this revealed, Brian Mann, what has this told us about our nation, I think it's a couple things. Number one, I'll I'll start negatively and then work my way up to positivity. (laughs) Uh, Number one, I feel like a lot of the falsehoods that the country told itself when Barack Obama was elected, you know, that we're in a mm-hmm. post-racial society, that everybody wants to work together, that everybody is moving towards the same goals, you know, for our, our safety as a nation, our, our economy, our health care, the well-being of our fellow citizens. I feel our standing in the world. I feel like the myth that we told ourselves collectively, like that's that was laid bare during the past four years. Another thing I think Uh, Brian is that all of this anger and resentment and frustration from a certain part of the population which has been there was exposed right like Trump Mm -hmm. is not the cause of racism or misogyny or xenophobia or homophobia Trump didn't start that he just amplified it gave it a microphone gave folks that felt that way a champion Uh, and that's not to say that all Trump supporters were that way but If you co-sign that man's rhetoric, then that man is a representative for you. That man is your advocate. And so I feel like a lot of that frustration, particularly when you're talking about, you know, working class white people that might have felt left behind uh, for whatever reason. Like they felt that they weren't getting their fair shake at the American dream, to which I would say pedally, like, welcome to my world. But if I'm trying to heal things, Brian, man, Mm -hmm. what I would say to that is. Like, just because someone else is making strides in this country and getting a little bit better, that doesn't decrease or diminish you. The third thing, though, that I would say that this last four years has revealed, Brian, is the younger generation is not ready to be on this Aaron Burr stuff and wait for it anymore. The younger generation is, you know, going back, hearkening back to the ancestors and, and, you know, the social and civil uh, revolts in the 60s, you know, and and the 70s. And, you know, we are not going to wait for the system to change. We are going to change the system. And while I do have some quibbles here and there with how the young folks went about it, I do feel like, in general, like, it's a great thing that you have so many civic-minded and politically activated young people now that are going to help Shape this country for the next thirty, forty years.
0: Yeah, uh, I would agree. Even though you know we did just uh, elect a twenty-five-year-old Nazi to Congress, uh, you know I would say that's not a great thing.
2: <laughs> you, you, you win some, you lose some, Brian. Man,
0: <laughs> I guess I I don't go all children of the future uh, so much, but I, I I do think you touched on a thing in there that that I think is is worth um, talking about. So I, throughout all of this, all the craziness of the last four years. Um my family, you know, growing up they were Republicans. Uh they slowly changed over the last couple of years and 2016 is what finally any Republicans I had left my family to switch parties because of Trump. Mm. And because of uh the just, you know, stepping in like just lockstep behind him that the rest of the party did and that just completely turned them off from the entire party. Um I have been able – I've been quite fortunate these four years. I have not really interacted with any MAGA people uh, at all, really. Uh, and I was curious for you down in Virginia. Uh, have you? Have you? Is it something you see a little more often?
2: Yeah, because Virginia, I feel like Virginia – and I'm, I'm uh, you know, hyping my state up a little bit here. But I feel like Virginia is this great microcosm of America because we've got a little bit of everything. You know, we, we've got, you know, suburban, we were urban, we've got a lot of rural areas, big military state, uh, you know, agriculture, uh, black, white, Latino, Asian, like if you go further up uh, towards Northern Virginia, a lot of tech. So everything that's going on in America, you can find an example of it in, a, in Virginia somewhere. And so, yeah, I've interacted. I've, I've had friends that I went to church with, uh, you know, friends that I associate with that were on that Trump train and and you know some of them were on that Trump train the first time and hopped off the second time mm-hmm. and some of them were on that Trump train to the very end. And so when when I see that Brian that it, it's something that I've had to deal with over the past four years where the people that I feel like are making an effort, I can I can make time for them. But if you're walking like you say if you're walking lockstep with everything Trump says, nah, like that, you know, there, there's no reason for us to continue this relationship. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I think about when it, when it comes to this is uh, just, there are, there are certain things that shouldn't be negotiable, right? There are certain things that shouldn't be up for debate. If you want to have a debate on infrastructure or how we fund the police department, or health care or taxes or the amount of money we put into the military yeah we can we can have that debate all day brian man mm-hmm. but if if, if you want to have a debate about whether or not black lives matter we're not going to have that debate because yes the fuck they do right exactly like if you want to have a debate about whether climate change is, change is real we're not going to have that debate because all the science points to the fact that it is if you want to have a debate about whether a mask lessens the spread of COVID, we can't have that debate because the science says that it does. And so, like, yeah, I think there are certain things that we can all talk about and debate about and discuss politically. And just because you're a Republican, it doesn't mean that I have to cut off all ties to you. But I do think going forward, like there's got to be certain things, you know, Thomas Jefferson, like we hold these truths to be self-evident. There's got to be non-negotiables. And unfortunately, the last four years for a lot of people... In the Trump crowd, they won't even agree on the basic stuff that everybody should agree on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good uh, point when we're talking, talking about uh, healing and bringing people together. I've always had this theory, and, I, and I'm curious if you agree, being you know surrounded by more Trump voters than I personally am, what percentage would you say are the – you know, the, the fly-in-the-flag MAGA people that you see at the the rallies, the, you know, the fuck-your-feelings types and all of this stuff. I mean, I think just in the same way that they probably think every single Democratic voter is uh, some, like, Black Lives Matter protester who's, like, blowing up, like, the CBS in their town square, whatever they, they imagine it to be. Um, I don't think that's actually the truth on, on either side. For you down there, uh, and the people you've interacted with, what percentage would you say of Trump voters are actual MAGA? And what percentage mm. would you say are just I'm a Republican and you know what? I wish he didn't tweet so much, but I like the tax cuts.
2: Yeah, I would say like and in the people that I interact with, like maybe 15 percent are like MAGA MAGA. Okay. I would say the next highest group are conservative Christians. And this one, like this one really kind of pisses me off, Brian, because mm-hmm. I'm a Christian and, you know, I'm a man of faith and like the, the ideals that Donald Trump upholds, like if you're, if if you down with Jesus, Jesus wouldn't be down with Trump. I mean, he would have so he would, he would try to help Trump. Cause Jesus was out there with the lepers and and the criminals and, and the whores, you know, he, he tried to help the worst of us. Uh, so that would include Donald J. Trump. But, when you talk about the policies, and when you talk about the way that Trump treats people, that is not Christ-like. So, to me, like those Christians are being fraudulent because really it's just about abortion. Yeah. And it's like if, 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 if you go if, if you gonna be real, be real. Like don't throw a, a rock and hide your hand. Like just put it on the table. So that will be the next group, and then the third group of the of my friends that that uh, you know either supported Trump the first time and didn't this time, or supported him the whole way through are people that believe in the Republican Party. And unfortunately, like, I've had conversations back and forth, and 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 they're, you know, those, those folks that are still holding out hope, like, oh, maybe he could turn presidential here, or maybe, you know, he could come back to being a, a, a regular, you know, run-of-the-mill Republican. I'm like, no, it's, it's not going to happen. But unfortunately, like, their faith and their hope in Donald Trump is larger than the evidence that Donald Trump has put on the table.
0: Right. And I think that's something that people get lost, because uh, for me, when we're talking about healing and coming back together, uh, I do think everyone needs to put in some effort. Um, I also agree with everything you were saying in terms of like, there's no middle of the road on does climate change exist. There's no middle of the road is, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, are there systemic, you know, racist issues in this country? Um, there's no middle of the road on those things. There's just people who need to learn, um, but at the same time, I think part of what that learning is, um, you know, those of us who know about those things and who believe in those things and know that they're important, we didn't always know that. We had to learn it right. at some point, point. Um, and so it's kind of it behooves us to then teach other people. Um, and you know, mm. wh- wh- why do we know it and they don't? Is it because we're better people? Not necessarily. Is it because maybe we went to college, and that's uh, part of the reason? Is it because we can we you know? Read different books. We get different media outlets. You know, possibly. I mean, everyone comes to this information in different ways. Um, I also think when you talk about all the terrible things Trump has done over the last four years, not everyone's as plugged in to media. They don't hear about all of these things. And if you're a run of the mill Republican voter who thinks that there's a, that the, Media has this liberal bias, and they're just out to get him, and, oh, they'll just tell – they'll they'll call anyone racist, and I don't think that that's actually racist. A lot of the attacks against Trump, they just don't even register them. Uh, to them, they just think like, oh, you know, he's a, he's a rich businessman, and he's done good stuff with the economy, and I wish he wouldn't tweet as much. That's well, – for a, a lot of them, it feels like that's the extent to which it goes.
2: Yeah, well, and I also think, you know, to your point on – you know, helping folks get educated, like as somebody who has uh, spent a few nights this year educating uh, some of my Caucasian brothers and sisters (laughs) uh, (laughs) on what it means to be a black person in America. Like, I do think there's levels to it, Brian, like if you were genuinely like, okay, let's have a, let's have a real conversation. Like, I'm here for that, right? Like if there's any, like any of the uh, postmarks out there that, that are, you know, had voted for Trump and you're like, we want to have a legitimate conversation. We can have that conversation. But again, it can't start from a place of, you know, black lives matter are terrorists and, and don't forget about Antifa. And like, there's gotta be certain things where it's like, Hey, like, let me, let me walk you back from that. Because right now, like we're going to deal in facts. We're going to deal in the truth. You know, we're going to deal in reality, not in what Donald J Trump has said because If there's one thing that I know about Donald Trump, if there's one thing consistent about Donald Trump is that that man is a liar and and, and he speaks lies and and Mm -hmm. he speaks conspiracy theories. And so, yeah, like if you are a friend of mine or an acquaintance and you're like, yeah, like I I voted for Trump, but I don't want to be associated with the racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic contingent within the Trump camp. And I want to work towards, you know, Working together to make the country better. There's got to be like, there's got to be some steps made on your part before we can even have that conversation. There's got to be a rejection of a lot of that Trump stuff. And I think that's where that's where we can meet like I take two steps forward, but you got to take like three or four steps forward to get out of that Trump stuff.
0: Yeah, and and I do think it's if you're in a position where you're going to be having these conversations, because I do think these conversations are important. um, And the reason why I think they're important, and they can be uncomfortable um, for people on our side, I think, because, um, you know, there's this feeling of like, I'm right, and you're wrong. Why should I be like, you should have to come to like, why should I, you know, be making concessions for you? And I think there's definitely some truth to that. But I think that if you're trying to rehab someone and teach these things, it's kind of just what needs to happen. Um, I think if there's been one big flaw for people on our side of things, it's that we think simply being right is enough. That, you know, um, that, you know, in 2016, the referee didn't come over and say, oh, well, uh, the Democrats got an anti-racist bonus. So they actually get uh, a million more votes. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you know those MAGA people who refuse to wear masks. These people, their vote counts exactly the same as mine. Yeah. Um, actually, their vote counts a little bit more than mine because of where they live. Um, <laughs> so as long as that is the case, as long as that is the game, and the game is about getting the most points, you need to win that game. Simply yeah. being right is not enough. It's it's great. It's a it's it's a it's awesome, and it's an amazing benefit to have the truth on your side and to have compassion and inclusivity on your side but that is not enough and if someone's racist or even if they're not like actual in their bones racist they just don't understand some of these things they haven't been exposed mm. to reconsider their approach to some of these things yelling at them is not going to change anyone's mind if anything no. it's actually just going to push them further away and maybe even deeper into some of those feelings uh, and, and
2: that's why that's why like i'm down so like i've been so supportive of joe biden because i do think like is he the greatest candidate in the world is he the greatest choice no but you need somebody that can turn the temperature down mm-hmm. you need somebody on both sides you know i feel like like yes for all of the fo- the faults and foibles on the right like you're right brian like folks on the left it's like yes you have the upper hand you have the you know i, I have the high ground anakin you can't win <laughs> you know but it's like you do have to bring down the temperature because there's there's, you can't heal until you start to reconcile. And like one of the greatest things I, that I love that Joe said time and time again during the campaign was, you know, he was telling talking about his mother. And she was like, remember, Joey, nobody is better than you, but you're no better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, like we can have differences of opinions, you know, we can have things fundamentally that that we're going to argue on but I feel like as long as as long as the baseline right is being decent human beings we can talk about tax policies and you know foreign relations all day long Brian there's got to be a certain level of basic american decency that we need to reestablish or maybe maybe establish for the first time and and that's the only way i feel like the country will truly find a way to kind of live up to its ideals.
0: Exactly. And I think right now you and I we're talking on a we're talking on a small person to person level. Uh we're not talk right now talking about larger policy uh issues because I do think there are legitimate uh reasons why a lot of this stuff is happening. Uh you know, I think a lot of, you know, economic uh, possibilities are not great for a lot of people in this country, the way things are trending. Mm-hmm. A lot of communities do feel left behind. Um, they're looking for someone to blame. And, and all of this this a, has
2: only been exacerbated by COVID, right? Like that's the big overriding specter of this year.
0: COVID's only made it worse. And as much as Trump has said things like, I'm bringing the jobs back, you know, uh, a lot of those jobs aren't coming back. Uh, you know, uh, the the, the you know, the idea of us wanting to, like, bring back, like, coal, like, plant, like, for example. Um, you could reopen every single coal, uh, you know, uh, mine in the country. And unless the government's going to spend billions of dollars buying that coal, there's no reason to do it because the market for coal is not what it once was. Uh, you know, we need to invest in new technologies and and, and, and things like that. But that, that's a whole other separate thing. But if you're one of these, you know, if you're in one of these communities that's kind of been left behind because of uh, – Certainly, uh, online retail has, has really uh, done a number uh, on, on the uh, American job uh, space. But let's say you're someone who's left behind. And, you know, the Democrats haven't really been doing a great job offering you any economic relief. Uh, and then on the other side, you neither know, are the Republicans, but they're at least telling you a story. Hey, the reason why your, job is so, uh, your life is so bad is because of these other people. And if you vote for us, we're going to punish those other people. And, you know, I can see in the void of any other hope in your life, um, you you listen to it. And, you know, there's that that kind of very simplistic saying of hurt people hurt people. Uh, You know, I think a Mm -hmm. lot of those people who voted for Obama twice and then flipped to Trump, um, they voted for hope. They voted for change. They voted for things to get better. And then uh, it didn't. Uh, You know, the best they could hope for is, hey, maybe now you're an Uber driver. And you're driving, you know, you're you're working 60 hours a week and you don't get any health care or benefits out of it, you know, and and you're not even considered an employee. Um, You know, I I do think there's legitimate economic concerns there. Um, Mm -hmm. But that then is also paired with some very closed off um, beliefs about the world.
2: Yeah. And then here's the thing again, Brian, like, I'm not going to vilify these people but at the same time like y'all are like don't do not forget like y'all gonna get these jokes for at least another (laughs) month or so like these these jokes is coming i hope you prepare yourselves it's gonna be all sorts of memes and songs and pictures and it's gonna be hilarious so get ready for these jokes but that being said brian like there i do have empathy for these folks again particularly coming from the perspective of a black person who has felt pretty much his whole life that America doesn't quite work the way it's supposed to work on paper. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it when you feel like the economy is not working in the way you 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 planned. I get it when you feel like your vote doesn't matter because you voted for Obama twice and your situation didn't really change. I get it when when these people are saying like, you know, like it doesn't seem like things are getting better and this guy over here is telling me, you know, he's he's selling me the world and I need something to believe in right now. Uh, But I would hope that in this moment that folks in the midst of of a global pandemic, in the midst of an economy that's in the tank because of said pandemic, that this would be the time where you stand up. Like if like if you are about the country, if you are about the nation, like you got all these flags on your truck, all these flags outside your house. And believe and, and stand up for what America really is. Give me your tide. Give me your poor. Give me your huddled masses. America is supposed to be the example. We are supposed to be the standard for the world. And unfortunately, these last four years, we have not been the standard. We've been the laughing stock. We have been a divisive force in the in the world. And so, to me, I just would like for this. Like, yeah, it's going to be rough, Brian. Like, we like we, we we are not out of the woods in terms of healing the nation by a long shot. Uh, it's been very the wound has been very deep uh, during the Trump administration, and so I w- what I would hope is that folks on all sides, folks in all corners of the political spectrum, uh, can work together. And like, yeah, if somebody is off the grid, if somebody is like on the far, far, far fringes of reality, and they're spouting nonsense and, and BS conspiracy theories, yeah, like those people are always going to be there, but that shouldn't be the core of your party that shouldn't be the core of your belief system and so you're like this is this is a come to jesus moment brian taking it back to the church <laughs> this is a come to jesus moment for the country and so what we do from this point on determines where we go you know like i think we dodged a big bullet by mm-hmm. electing joe joe biden but that doesn't mean we won. That doesn't mean we can kick our feet up and all and, and have a drink and not worry about the next four years because there's still so much work to be done if we want this to be a more perfect union.
0: Yeah, and I think a big thing that you'll notice is that when you take a look at the map, the places that are red and the places that are blue, you'll notice the cities are blue and the rural areas are red. You know, uh, as much as people kind of want to thought thought was so funny, like, as all these demographics are coming from exit polls and things like this, and people are like, oh my goodness, Trump's, you know, Trump Trump's support improved amongst every single racial group except for white men. You know, white men's actually, like, went down. <laughs> but, like, more black people voted for him, more Muslims voted for him, more Latinos voted for him. And it's like, yeah, because I think for a lot of us, um, especially the people I think spend all day on social media, um, and their entire framing of how the world works is on social media... Um, People's identity isn't the sole thing that – like you're not born a certain race and then your entire political beliefs are then ascribed to you and and they never change. Um, Really, like like African-American voters are really the only ethnic group that sort of like does sort of vote all the same kind of way. Almost any other group, it's like depending Mm -hmm. on your – uh, you know, uh, how much your income is. If you went to college, if you live in this in the in the suburbs, or if you live in a city, like these things all change people's people's political beliefs.
2: No, these things I'm, all hold shape hold people's Hold on, hold on, Brian. Mindset. Hold on before yeah. before before you continue. I, I want to go back to that point you just made about African Americans mm-hmm. being such a consistent and solid voting block for the Democrats. And and to that, I will say like. I don't think folks understand, well, people that aren't black, I don't think a lot of people that aren't black understand how dedicated black people have to be to this country Mm -hmm. that has time and time again, told us like, eh, like you can stay here, but you don't really matter. Or, you know, your life isn't worth as much as the white man's life or, you know, like your job prospects aren't going to be as good. You know, your, your living conditions aren't going to be as good. Like, for for black people to consistently believe in the idea of democracy in spite of evidence that has told us time and time again that democracy does not work for us like that level of commitment that level of consistency like i think like that is just something that i like i am incredibly proud of and like i like specifically black women yeah because black women are not only the foundation and the backbone of the black community they're the backbone of the democratic party and you could argue that the black women are the backbone of America. Like they saved America in this election. And so yeah, like I I'm not saying like it's time for reparations or it's time, you know, to, <laughs> to like like we should get a Kwanzaa bonus every year or something. I'm just saying, like if you see a black person postmarks out on your block, you know, socially distance, but you know, give them a little nod, give them a little <laughs> heads up because you know. You're welcome for for what we have done for this country, time and time again.
0: <laughs> I mean, I will take one of your things a step further and say we should have reparations. But you know, there you go. That that's neither here nor there. Um, I said it, so you're good. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but that's, but that's I, being a good ally, brother. I Appreciate. <laughs> it.
0: And I, I think that is a thing where it's um, you know you mentioned this kind of loyalty with the you know African American community to the Democratic Party and. As we said, you know, that has changed, you know, uh, Trump got more support, you know, now than he did last time. And I think a lot of people kind of say, well, how could that be? He was, he was racist for all these years and everything he said about Latinos, everything he said about Muslims, how can these people vote for him more? And it's like, well, to go to something you just said, there's a lot of socially conservative uh, black voters. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, you know, just as there's a lot of white voters who their big main issue is abortion. That's not just a thing that affects white people. You know, there's yeah. certainly, you know, there can be, you know, Muslim Americans who that's a big issue to them, too. And they vote in that way as well. So I think the the more that we can start to realize that uh, things like education and income and where you live and who you interact with and who you socialize with, these are big structures that affect people's um politics and how they how they see things and how Mm -hmm. they believe. And and I think the more that, you know, not only do I think that that's important um, from kind of understanding why people act the way that they they do, I think can also be very useful to find common ground with 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 other people and other groups. I mean, I'm sure you probably uh, see this in in, in Virginia. I know I certainly saw it tons of times uh, growing in the South where you would have people that you know, white people that thought and felt some pretty awful things about black people but they had plenty of you know, you know, African-Americans in their community that they loved and they were friends with because they would feel like, oh, but they're, they're not like the ones I see on TV or something like that. And it's that idea that people think that race is this monolith and that there can't be larger – like there can't be larger cultural community things that can bring us together.
2: And I feel like, Brian, like there are – you know, yes, you're right. You know that that the more black men this time around did vote for Donald Trump, and I I think you know you're you're paying far too little lip service to the impact of uh, our man Little Pimp. I mean Little Pump, because <laughs> if if <laughs> anybody Pimp is going to get the black vote out, it's Little Pump out here. Uh, but no, ser- seriously, I think that there is a lot of the mirage, the image, the facade of Donald Trump that does appeal to black men, like. Mm-hmm. The, the power, the, the alleged money, the strength, right? Like that, as false as it is, that appeals to black men who have not had the power and the money and the strength in America. So it doesn't surprise me that he was able to kind of siphon off some of the black vote, especially when you have more people voting. So it's a larger, larger pool. But. I feel like we we also can't neglect the other issue of why black support was so fervent and vocal this time mm-hmm. and that's the running mate kamala yeah. harris because like there's something like i don't even care if you didn't vote for, for biden and harris but seeing those videos the night that the election was called right and seeing so many young black girls and young black women and the emotion there when they realized that kamala harris is now holding the second-highest office in the land. Like, that's a big thing. That's a big deal. It's aspirational and inspirational. And so, yeah, like, I I think that, like, you're never going to get everybody to agree on the same thing. But, again, going back to those non-negotiables, Brian, as long as there's a baseline of respect and a baseline of decency and a baseline of, hey, We might have different ideas about abortion or the economy, but at the end of the day, we all want good jobs. We all want clean water and clean air. We all want or we all should want, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, good education for the kids. We should all want good, you know, safety, you know, and, 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 and improved police department. So I think there's like there's levels of things that we can agree on. It's just this president for the last four years has stoke the fires of disagreement and discontent. And now, like I said, we got somebody that can maybe splash a little cold water on those flames.
0: Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's been said time and time again that uh, Donald Trump was more of a symptom than the cause of a lot of these issues. Um, He, I think, definitely did make them worse. You know, we we sort of saw uh, some of that hate sort of bubbling up, you know, when he started running. And then I think four years of that kind of being a legitimate voice at the table, uh, you start to see things like Charlottesville and, and whatnot. And while I don't think we're ever in a position where like, I don't think we were ever actually looking at actual fascism. I don't think we were ever actually looking at a civil war or anything like that, but thoughts and feelings that were often considered uh, bad or negative were suddenly given uh, mainstream uh, attention and a place at the table. And also things like social media, making it easier for these mm. um you know, for, for people who have these beliefs to find each other and to communicate with each other, uh, because social media allows people to have an insulated view of the world and they can spend all their time only talking to other people that think and feel the same way that they do. And when that is used by some very, um, you know, troubled individuals, uh, rather than those people talking to people in their actual world and around them, um, that can be a really, uh, a really terrifying thing, as we've seen, unfortunately, uh, a few too many times over the last
2: couple right. of years. And, and not only, you know, I, I like that we, we keep going back to Donald Trump not being the root of the problem, but being the symptom. Uh, but he's also the symbol. He's the symptom and the symbol. He's the champion mm-hmm. for this cause, so to speak. It's it's like you know, going back to WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Like Kofi Kingston was one man, but what he represented was larger than that. And you could see, like, there was a segment of the fan base that was galvanized by Kofi's run-up to the title. And had that not happened, that fan base would still probably be watching WWE, mm-hmm. but it would have been nowhere near as electric as it was in that moment. And so with Trump, like, yes, those folks that hold those racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic ideals, they those kind of folks will always be out there. But Trump gave them a lightning rod. He was the symbol. He was their champion. And so now I would hope that Donald Trump just goes away, but we know that's not going to happen. And so the question then becomes, how do we remove the symbol? Like, the symbol's been removed, but how Mm -hmm. do we cure the symptoms? And and I think that's where the work begins, Brian. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen easily. uh, To to be morbid, uh, like some folks are probably gonna to have to no longer be with us in order for some of those things to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do feel, you know, again, going back to the kids, you know, I do feel like, yes, there are some kids who are down for Trump, but I feel like the overwhelming majority of the young people out there want something better, and and that does give me hope.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, going back to something we were kind of talking about earlier is that when it comes to people who maybe have these beliefs or these feelings, um, you know, the big, The world's a big, weird place, and there's a lot of things that can be confusing to people, especially if they have never traveled outside of the community they grew up in or never went to any sort of, you know, continued education. Or maybe their education didn't even bring that into play, you know? Um, and I do think it is kind of the duty of those of us... Um, who maybe have a different understanding of the world to attempt at least to educate Mm -hmm. people on these things. And um, I I, I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone's stopped being racist because someone yelled uh, at them that they were
2: a racist. I don't (laughs) think that's ever really worked. I've tried it. I've I've put that theory into practice multiple times, Brian. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I I, I think it's, you know. Now, now, to be fair, to be fair, that does not mean that, that folks should not call out. Mm-hmm. racism or, or any of these other ills but yes like the just yelling at somebody and then finger pointing like that that doesn't ultimately like it might feel good in the moment but it yes. ultimately does not solve the root issue
0: and i think a lot of it is that i think a lot of it is um a lot of it is that it feels good like if you want to be if this is something you're passionately about and you're passionately fighting against it and you want to call it out wherever you see it Um, I get that and I get why that can be satisfying. And I've been there and I've been in that kind of position before. Um, but is it effective, um, Mm. for more than anything than just making yourself feel better? And I feel like, again, social media has only made that worse. So you have people who start to view other, other people who they honestly actually do share a lot in common. Uh, maybe they have similar economic, you know, needs. I mean, honestly, if you're, Mm -hmm. if you are a, you know, uh, late 20s early 30s millennial who went to college and you have all this student debt and there's just not the you know the workforce just isn't what it was for your parents and you're not getting opportunities um and you're you know the things that you really need are some economic relief and some debt forgiveness and um you know there's there's just certain jobs programs that should be opened up to you and then you have maybe an out of work you know Uh, steel worker somewhere who's never left their town and you're just doing what your parents did and it worked for them and why isn't it working for you there has to be some reason for this why did these jobs leave um these two people are facing the same problems (laughs) um but you know when you kind of take that instead of those two people coming together through a shared uh goal instead they're just bumping heads you know, it's they're just yelling at each other for each other's shortcomings, and mm. um, you know, honestly, there is a third group of people who benefit from keeping us at each other's throats. Um, yep. So the more that you fight with other people, the more you're letting those people win. I mean, uh, yelling at some random Trump supporter on Twitter doesn't get you any closer to universal health care.
2: No, but but let me let me tell you, uh, I almost called you John. I'm thinking about John Paul. <laughs> The reason I'm thinking about John Pollock, Brian, is because I, I feel like John Pollock and Wei Ting, they they like family. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of family, can, can can we talk about my uncle, Brian Man? Yeah, of course. Can we talk about my uncle, Joe Biden, out here? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We've talked long and hard. Uh, We've talked about the Republicans. Let's talk a little bit about the Democrats. And uh, we'll also talk about the ways that that they suck and why they make it tough for people to support them as well. Because that that is one thing, before you start talking about your uncle, that I want want to mention, is just in the same way that millions of us voted for Joe Biden, not liking Mm -hmm. a lot of things about him, people voted for Donald Trump the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that... You should give them a pass or that they're the same as you um, or that, you know, that that's a noble thing to do. At the end of the day, they were still forced to make a decision and they were okay supporting this guy and everything that he was. Um, And there could be a myriad of reasons why they they went that way. But I think there are similar things for us where we supported this guy, even though we weren't 100 percent on board for everything. Listen, you only get two choices. If if you ever encounter a presidential uh, candidate who represents every single thing you want, you're probably psychotic. You will never have a a presidential candidate who represents everything that you want. Uh, but that was just me jumping in for a second. You, you can you can you can take it away.
2: Ah, oh, this 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 man, this yes. man, Uncle Joe Biden, Brian man. Like I know, like you and I probably have some disagreements when it comes to Joe as a viable candidate. But like Joe is the guy I always thought had the best chance to beat Trump. And, and like we talked about that in the original incarnation. Yep. Should have been the nominee America. in
0: 2016.
2: Yeah. Joe, Joe was always my choice. Not because I agree a hundred percent with everything Joe Biden says, not because I think Joe is a particularly dynamic or exciting candidate, but I feel like Joe Biden is the right guy to beat Donald Trump because he does appeal not only to, again, that, that democratic base that, that was going to vote for him regardless, but, those disaffected middle-class folks and then the blue-collar workers out there that you were talking about, Brian, in the heartland. Like, Joe can speak to them in a way that I feel, unfortunately, Bernie or, or, or Elizabeth Warren or, or Kamala couldn't as a presidential candidate. Uh, Hillary certainly didn't. She wasn't able to reach those folks in in, in, in a way that I think Joe can. Uh, and so, like, just I think the the Joe's greatest attribute, and it's, again, low bar in America, is just – Whatever you think about him politically, he's a decent dude, man. Like he if, is. if you yeah. saw that speech that he gave, uh, you know, the night that the election was called. If you see the way he interacts with his wife. If you saw, you know, the the on the campaign trail when he's talking to the kid that has a stuttering problem. Like, yeah, like Joe's not a great candidate. He's not the perfect president, but it's like Joe's a decent dude and right now I could go a long way with a lot of decency, Brian, man.
0: I totally agree. And um, you know, I think that for anyone who I think some people want to look down on that idea and that concept of like, oh, he's just a good guy. And I think after we've had four years of a terrible person, you can see how the temperament of the person in that office really does matter. Um, and I'm not saying that that means that automatically they're going to enact every great policy. I mean, I was, you know, I was, you know, when the uh, news got announced on Saturday, I was out here in the park by my house. Tons of people out celebrating and everything. There's music. Everyone's happy. And uh, you know, a friend, friend of mine was like trying to do like the very. Uh, super cynical, sort of like, well, this doesn't fix all the problems and blah, 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 blah. And like, oh, there's still civic He's like, he's still a, like almost 80 year old white guy. And I'm like, what you're doing right now is if I went to someone's birthday party and was like, you know, they're still going to die. And yeah. it's like, okay, this is not, not the time for that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Joe, even today, like he started doing these briefings as president elect. And he gave this little speech about like how important masks are. And it's something that Trump has not done. Because as we were just talking about, the need to sort of like educate and, and reach out and explain things to people, um, mm-hmm. to the citizens, um, that is such an important part. And that's, that's just something Trump was never able to do because he fundamentally lacks understanding and curiosity. And I think that's why a lot of people loved him. You know, a lot of people, if you're someone who does nothing but watches Fox News all day, this guy sees the world the same way you do. And that can be very comforting, mm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to have someone who sees the world exactly the way that you do, whether or not that's for your your own good or the country's own good. And just being able to see, you know, Biden talking about how important masks are and that we're doing this now temporarily so that we can get back to normal. And just, I don't know. It's a great speech if you're able to go look at it. Just, it's, it just shows how that compassion can come back. And, um, you know, the day after he, he officially, you know, was declared, you know, he goes to to church and then visits the the graves of his you know his mm, you know mm-hmm. first wife who passed away and his kids and i think it says something that joe has a better relationship with his children that have passed on than trump does with his kids that are alive mm. um i think that that goes to show a lot and you know not to get again too much into the trump thing um but i think what's kind of happened is that we've had this Um, This battle, this war for various reasons, half the country thinks the other half of the country is out to destroy them. And when things are that divided, you'll excuse a lot of things. I mean the things that ourselves and numerous countries have done that are horrendous to other people because we are at war. And we think that Mm. it justifies that we can treat other people this way because of this conflict. And I think we're at that same way. Just in the same way that you know we were able to justify you know dropping an atomic bomb at one point during a world war, I think half the country was able to justify voting for Trump because man, things are just so bad. Look what the other part of the country wants to do, and we 've got to do a thing like this mm. um, and 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 I agree with what you 're saying like we've got to turn that temperature down <laughs> we've got to bring it down a little bit, and while I think there's large systemic changes that need to happen to help with that. There is also that person to person. And I think that, you know, hopefully, naively, I don't know, I think Donald Trump uh, uh, being out of the situation will will, will help.
2: And, you know, I love that you brought up, you know, Joe going to his family's gravesite because I think there's two things when it comes to Joe that really speak to me. The first thing is that human empathy and decency, uh, which is a word I use a lot when I talk about Uncle Joe. It's like, yeah, like just just a decent human being that feels for other people. Like, I think the, the best moment he had in the debates, and it's a reason why I could never be president, Brian Mann, is when Trump, in the first debate, when Trump brought up Hunter Biden and mm-hmm. his drug issues. And see, if that was me, I would have been across. Like, it, it would have been, been over, Brian Mann. Yeah. You know, COVID or not, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking the social distancing rules and you're going to get these hands, Donald Trump. But Joe Biden just pivoted and was like, you know, I love my son and my son son's gone through a lot and just like a lot of, of your kids and your family members have gone through a lot and joe was able to bring that to a broader sense and and really speak to the country and and so that's one thing i think joe's just has a decency you know that resonates the other thing is as a black person and as a black voter like the fact and then you know like some people you know kind of made the jokes or said it dismissively or you know diminishingly that joe all joe was was barack obama's shadow for eight years Mm-hmm. but to the black community the fact that you had this white guy not only serve with Barack Obama for eight years but Joe was right or die for Barack right like Joe mm-hmm. never said a, like they, you never saw a situation where Joe was going to use his whiteness to throw Barry under the bus oh, you know, something I like a lot of people a lot of black people like, like we we don't really know Joe like that we don't trust Joe but the fact that Joe was so good as the second guy to Barack. Like, I feel like that's a reason, despite all of his flaws and his his, his gaffes and the crime bill and stuff like that, black people know Joe and black people rode for Joe. Oh, and Barack
0: calls him his brother. You know, they were like, you could tell that they were extraordinarily close during those years. And I think that, um, you know, again, naively, I think a lot of the things we're talking about that I think Joe Biden is kind of the example, Uh, you know, was he attached to some not so great policies throughout the years? Yes. Do I think he also has grown and progressed and learned from those experiences? It appears so. Um, and and I think that he does sort of speak to that hope that, you know, um, I don't know, like it's it's almost kind of crazy. It's like, you know, Obama represented this new... This new thing that we're that we're possible of this fresh century, and then you know mm. Trump had to come around and be like, ah, I'm the old angry grandpa, and I'm showing you that like, <laughs> no, this is how that makes me feel. Um, mm. And now you got Joe Biden who's like, hey, someone sat down, like, you know, we sent Grandpa to the home, and uh, Grandpa had a really nice black nurse, and that that really changed his <laughs> mind about a few things.
2: Uh, well, see, and like again, like the one of the best memes I've seen was the besides the. uh, Avengers Endgame meme, which is amazing, uh, was the one where they viewed Obama, Trump, and Biden as Star Wars. You know, A New Hope, Mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. And and I feel like, you know, a lot of our audience, or most of our audience, are wrestling fans. And you couldn't have booked this any better, Brian. you got this hot baby face that changes the industry. Most of the people love him. Cuts amazing promos. You know, does all this good stuff. And then we've got this boisterous, blustery top heel that comes into the territory and spends the next four years trashing every single thing that this charismatic babyface did. Trying to tear down every single achievement and accomplishment that that babyface did. And then out of nowhere, Brian man, with the help of the mail-in ballots we get the babyface's tag team partner, the old grizzled veteran, old Uncle Joe, getting in the ring one last time to avenge his fallen tag team partner. And now we have a new champion, Brian Man. And, and and this this is you couldn't even write this, Brian. You couldn't write a better story in Hollywood. It's so
0: wild. I have been trying to find that proper wrestling uh metaphor <laughs> to to bring it out cuz it almost kind of feels like okay, this is um you know, because we were in con- comparing it if you Remember back there and keep it, uh, you know, during a, our, our first run of this, it was, you know, the Democrats are WCW and mm. they're pushing people a little bit too too old and maybe a little too long, which, by the way, is still a major problem for them, is something they really need to figure out in the next <laughs> two years Uh and then you had WWF over here pushing the, the, the foul mouthed guy and you know, and that, that started an attitude era. And who knows, but the last four years was the attitude era of politics. Um <laughs> and and although I don't know if that one truly resonates, you know, it almost feels more so like um
1: I was so
2: gonna Joe Biden John Cena, is that what you're saying? <laughs>
0: I was thinking maybe Joe Biden is John Cena, uh, even though he doesn't have the older – I'm trying to think of, like, a time when a company has brought back a kind of past-their-prime uh, mm. person to sort of, like, carry it a little bit further and then pass the torch to the next person. Uh,
2: maybe maybe ECW with Terry Funk.
0: Maybe ECW. It could be ECW with Terry Funk. Um, hopefully it isn't ECW, you know, 2009 with Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe let's
2: be a little more positive. Impact wrestling with Kurt Angle.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll use this. I'll use an example from what is currently happening in WWF, at least what it seems. Mm. Uh, Randy Orton is Donald mm-hmm. Trump, and he will eventually put over Edge, which again isn't making any new stars, but then hopefully, fingers crossed... Edge will will drop the title to like Cedric Alexander or something.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 wild, Brian. Because I do think, and I, I did want to have this conversation with you because again, like two people with the same goals can have different ideas of how to get to that goal. Uh, and so, for our listeners, I think they can pick up that I'm probably a little bit more moderate than you, mm-hmm. and you're probably a little bit more progressive than I. But I do think like. There's like there's a way for all to be involved. I don't think it's an either or situation. Like I do think you need people pushing the boundaries of how forward this country can be. But I also think like the mechanisms of we got to go step by step by step. That is just politics. Like I do feel like you got to have both both goals. I mean both uh, both weapons in your toolkit. I don't know why you got weapons in your toolkit, but <laughs> hey, let's go with it.
0: I mean, a hammer's a weapon. Uh, I. <laughs> And I think this does bring us to the future of the party. And I think, um, if we're talking about the future of the party, I think there's someone we got to talk about, and it's uh, it's AOC. Uh, Mm. And I think there's a lot that we can discuss there. Uh, You know, I I think it's very interesting. uh, You know, Bernie, you know, I think Bernie, a lot of what he stood for could have won, but ultimately I think the... um, I, I, I think the... Real victory of his campaign and what he was trying to do and why he decided to run, uh, you know, later in because he, I, I don't think he had any interest or or thought that he would actually win in 2016. I think his mm-hmm. feeling was this clearly is being set up for Hillary Clinton. Someone needs to run to sort of speak to this part of the party and hopefully pull her a little bit to the left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in doing so, he excited and. Invigorated a lot of young people, AOC being one, and the other members of the of the squad as well. And we saw this past week some uh, moderates who lost some of their seats, blaming AOC for their loss and saying, Ooh. "Oh, is too radical and socialism and and uh, you know the defund the police and all this stuff is why I lost my seat." Um, and then AOC gave a uh, an interview in the New York Times, pushed back on that, and one of the things that she brought up that I think was pretty you know. Um, Worth talking about is the fact that uh, for a lot of these moderates that were running, she identified, I think it was like 20 at-risk campaigns in swing districts and noticed that they had, like, no social media outreach, that they Mm. weren't registering new voters, and she offered to help them. Of those, the five that accepted her help all won. The ones who didn't all lost. (laughs) So when I say that she, like, represents... Uh, next wave. I'm not saying all of the kind of, you know, the boogeyman stuff that I think gets thrown out about her that I think is, you know, that she's super, you know, left wing or all of these things. I think the thing that she really represents is successful online mm-hmm. uh, activism and, you know, grassroots campaigning. And yes, yeah, she she does represent a very liberal district, but she also won against a really like she unseated a really big uh, incumbent there uh, during her first run when she no one knew who she was unless you were in that district. She ran a campaign that won in that district, and now that Mm. district loves her and they know her. Um, And if you look at a thing like the Green New Deal, I think something that she represents hopefully, which is the future for the Democrats, is that she's willing to think of big projects and dream big and shoot for the moon and understand that they are operating with the full strength of the American federal government behind them. So you can say something that sounds crazy on day one. You say Green New Deal. Oh, no, what is that? Oh, just some weird liberal pipe dream. But you keep talking about it, keep talking Mm -hmm. about it, and it continues to define uh, the conversation. And while the term Green New Deal maybe has become toxic and you have guys like Mitt Romney just saying they're against it for no reason, I think a lot of the stuff that's in it becomes popular. So now you're able to do like this weird sort of like reverse thing where you're, you're like you can pass it as long as you don't call it that. Kind of like how like Republican uh, voters like Obamacare as long as you don't yep, call it Obamacare. I
2: was just about to say ACA. Like again, it's it's like you push like you 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 reach for the you reach for the moon, Brian man. Mm-hmm. But if you come up short, at least you win the stars, baby. And so I feel like yes, like a lot of the policies, um, you know, you would get a lot of those folks to agree with. It's just the packaging. And so, Mm -hmm. like, going back to Bernie, like, I love Bernie's energy. I love Bernie's spirit. I think that he had a lot of good ideas. I don't think he was the guy to go up against Trump just because, like, they, you already know, Brian, like, they would have had that anti-Semitic card on deck, like, ready to play it like the big joker in the game of space. Mm -hmm. Like, not even talking about all the socialist attacks that they would have thrown Bernie's way, but just the vitriol and the, you know, underhanded stuff. You know, we're talking about... Race and things of that nature, like they would have gone to that card in a way that they couldn't go with Joe. Uh, so I, I still feel Joe was the best choice, but I, I want to see, you know, if I'm looking at the Democratic Party for the next four, eight, 12 years, I want to see a mixture, you know. And again, this is maybe my moderate side coming out, where we've got, you know, Uncle Joe kind of the steady captain of the ship, but while Joe's keeping the ship steady underneath the deck, we've got all of these people like aoc like you said like Stacey abrams you mm-hmm. know uh, that are down here making change happen and fighting you know and, and tinkering with the machinery of government to get us to that more perfect union while joe's just keeping us you know oh iceberg here let me turn left oh there's a there's another ship over here let me lean to the right a little bit like just right. keep us on course joe and let you know the the younger generation start to build the structural change of the party
0: yeah and i think that we um You know, it's crazy that, you know, the the Republicans kind of get hit with like, oh, they're the party of the old white guy. But if we want to talk about age in these two parties, Nancy Pelosi's 80. Yeah. You know, like Jim Clyburn's in his late 70s. You know, the people who are the leadership. I mean, Chuck Schumer is the youngest one and he's like 68, 69. Um, And and I think, you know, a lot of the a lot of those people in that class, I think, kind of have a real uh, misunderstood view of politics. I mean, I think that to a Nancy Pelosi, um, they still think that if you're in Congress, it all comes down to fundraising, 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 fundraising. And you can't mm. do anything that risks your big campaign donors. You can't do anything too you know, extreme. And I think a lot of time when they advocate for moderate policies, it's not because that's what the average voter wants. It's what the average donor wants. And as we saw in many races, uh, this campaign cycle, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can give $200 million to Amy McGrath. You can give $20 million uh, to Jamie Harrison. If they're not the right candidates with the right message in the right place, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Um, And I think that's where things like on the ground organizing and putting forth progressive policies that excite people. That's mm. what matters, because as much as you can disagree with the Republican message, a lot of what they're putting forth is exciting viewer, uh, exciting uh, voters and bringing them out. Whereas I do think two of the biggest things that brought people out to vote for Joe Biden were not anything that he or his campaign put forward. It was COVID and it was mm. Trump. And I think yeah. in, in, in a world where there was no COVID, I don't think Biden necessarily beats
2: Trump. No, no. And, and well, the other thing, Brian, like going back to your point about some of the moderates that lost, I do think well, we're like we're talking nationally. I do think you also have to take into account the specifics of the region, right? Exactly. Where, I'm always a
0: big like, believer. You, you, you run the best campaign in that area yeah. and you let them do that. And you also got to make sure that your voters know who you are. I think if yep. your voters know who you are, Getting hit with, like, oh, they wanted to fund the police. or I just don't think that stuff will stick if your community actually knows you.
2: Yeah, and so, like, when we see somebody like Jamie Harrison lose in a hard-fought race, like, while I'm disappointed that he lost, I do think if that momentum can continue and that organization and that groundwork can continue, that's a good sign down the road for the future of South Carolina. You know, much like Beto O'Rourke in Texas. Like, who thought Texas would even be in the discussion, right? This time around, who thought Georgia, right? Who thought Georgia, you know, our, our home state brother, man, would mm-hmm. be blue. And so, like, the maybe the lessons from Beto and, and, and people like Jamie Harrison or, you know, Stacey Abrams, when, you know, you talk about somebody getting cheated out of an election. Stacey yeah. Abrams and how close she came. Like, when you got people like uh, Raphael Warnock, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the lessons learned from those close losses, hopefully they can be applied to future contests. And, you know, we can drive out the vote. We can get young people more engaged. We can educate some of the older folks. And slowly but surely, you start to see these states go from red to purple to blue. And then a lot, a lot of states won't go blue. But if, if we can get, like, the country purple, like, just looking like a Prince album cover, yeah, I'm okay with that, Brian. Well, in much in the same way
0: that Republicans don't have to win half of the black vote. If they can win twenty five percent that 's mm-hmm. enough that they 're taken away, and yes, maybe we can't win half of the uh non college educated white vote, but if we can win twenty five percent of that that's mm-hmm. a big chunk to take away from from the other side you know maybe we won 't get half the evangelical vote, but if we can get thirty percent of the evangelical vote that 's a pretty big thing um so yeah, and I, I think that 's kind of where. Tying back to where we were in the beginning, we have to find those common grounds with other people and figure out um, what are things that you can both rally behind. Um, you know, there there are still – you know, you don't want to let um, – you know, you don't want to throw out everything that could be achieved, uh, you know, if, the, if that makes sense. You know, maybe you disagree on these things, but these other things yeah. that you both definitely need to get done, do that. You know, there's plenty of Republicans – who think that global warming is real, who think that climate change is real, but they have these other things that are a bigger sticking point for them. So even though they think this thing is an actual threat, they don't make that as important uh, um, on their list because, you know, as much as I hate, you know, like, you know, if if a racist wants to help me get rid of climate change, hey, let's get rid of climate change, buddy. <laughs> And that's what's important that you you put forth policies that can appeal to that part of somebody to combat the other person who is appealing to people's worst uh, interests.
2: And that's where it comes back to something that I'm a big believer in, Brian, and that's a good faith argument. Like if we can argue – like we can have different ideas, but if there are one or two things we can agree on and we can debate about the others uh, and we have that baseline standard of decency and respect. Like I feel like things can slowly but surely progress forward. The problem right now again, you know, as as a residual effect of 4 years of Donald Trump is that this country is bitterly divided. And even the most simple things that people should be able to agree on, like black people shouldn't be killed by the police. Like mm-hmm. things like that become political footballs. Wearing a mask inside a crowded store. Things like that become a political football. And so my hope is that – again, there's that word. Uh, I and mean, again, maybe I'll speak to that real quick because like, I think that what we saw the night that the decision was announced, where we see people going out in the streets, even though, even though they probably shouldn't be out in the streets all clumped together, Brian, man, they probably shouldn't be. I'll admit that. But there's a joy. I, I,
0: I'll jump in. As long as you're wearing a mask, it really yes, does yes. make a huge difference. I mean there – we saw multiple – people it's better being from- outside than inside. Tr- multiple Trump rallies, despite being outside, still led to COVID spikes in certain areas, whereas none of the Black Lives Matter protests did lead to COVID spikes because mm. people had masks on. It really yes. does make a huge difference, even if you are close together. If you're outside and you have masks on, you know, day and night between being outside, clumped together without masks.
2: And then, like, I love that you just said day because it felt like – a dictator had been overthrown. It felt like mm-hmm. the revolution had won. It felt like, you know, it, in, in in Hamilton, there's a song, Yorktown, the world turned upside down. And the last lines of the song, are, we won because the world has been turned upside down. That's what it felt like. It felt like anybody that's watched The Wiz when the Wicked Witch of the West is dead. And, and all of a sudden, everybody can come back to life. Can you feel a brand new day, Brian, man? That's kind of what it felt like. And so I would hope that all of these positive feelings cannot just be positive, but they can be productive. And that the Democrats and, and, and folks that are progressive and even some independent folks that voted against Trump, like people don't take a step back. People don't take their foot off the gas pedal because while Trump is gone, you know, you know who's not gone, Brian Mann? Mitch McConnell. Oof. Lindsey yeah. Graham. A Supreme Court that has a 6-3 uh, weight in favor of the conservatives. So, like, there are still going to be fights. There are still going to be things that need to be done in order to get America back to where it needs to be or, or even take America to where it's never been before. But I think you felt like a collective sigh of relief. Like, people yeah. woke up the next morning with all of that anxiety that some, maybe maybe folks didn't even know. They were carrying anxiety around for four years, but folks felt a little bit lighter. They walked a little bit taller, Brian. They had their heads up a little bit more when, when, when they woke up the day following the announcement.
0: Yeah, and I think there's this this idea when they say, you know I've seen people on the news talk about hike, yeah, all these people out here are celebrating the streets. Well, there's also seventy million Americans who are very upset and mm. don't feel that way, <laughs> and I don't think that's true. I think of that seventy, there's probably thirty million that are okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the 30 million you got to reach out to. Um, you know, I think about my, you know, members of my family who did not vote for Barack Obama, but they didn't wake up the next day worried about the direction the country was going to go in. They just right. voted for the Republican because they're Republicans. Um, that's just what they did, you know. Uh, and, and so for me, um, I think, you know, if you have people in your life, if you see the possibility to have those conversations— have them. And I, I do mean have them in person. You know, there's this thing that I say sometimes where it's, it's better to have a discussion with your Republican relative in person than to yell at someone else's on Twitter, because that's not going to go anywhere. No. Um, you're never going to change someone else's mind like that on social media. Social media has just became this place where people come together and they yell and they argue and it just makes people angry all the time and it doesn't get you closer to anything. If anything, it just emboldens both sides and builds that wall up higher. To put it to wrestling terms, which is the original purpose of this show. When it's Thursday morning and people argue about what the NXT or the AEW ratings mean, does that help either show grow their audience? (laughs) No, but talking to your friend of yours who used to watch wrestling and doesn't anymore, and you're telling about one of those two shows that you like and you're trying to get them to watch again, that makes a difference. And that's what we're all all trying to say. When it comes down to it, we're going to put this in AEW versus NXT terms. Just go out there and tell people about what you think, what you believe, and explain it to them. Get them on your side. Because just sitting on Twitter and, you know, taking things out of context or being, you know, being cynical like... Okay, that might make you feel better, but it doesn't get you any closer to actually achieving any of the things that you
2: want. No, and again, like, I think that's the overriding theme of, the, of this show, at least I would hope it is, Brian, Like, besides mm-hmm. the fact that both you and I are happy about what happened. We, we're not concealing that fact. We're not hiding that fact. <laughs> uh, I think the overriding theme that I'd like to leave the listeners with is, yeah, regardless of who you voted for, that's not the end of the story. The work just begins now, and Part of that work is having these conversations that might be uncomfortable, that might be, you know, awkward at times, that might be frustrating. But they're conversations that are necessary and vital if we are going to work together. And so I'm glad that Uncle Joe and, and Kamala uh, in the White House, and then, you know, we've got some folks that maybe can turn the temperature down come January, uh, get a handle on this pandemic. And and like I still, regardless of everything the last four years, has shown me, Brian, man. I still have hope for America. I still believe in America. And I think that uh, we're going to be all right. Uh, but but yeah, for, for that 70 million out there that voted for Trump, like we can we can work together. But y'all still going to get these jokes for at least <laughs> another two, three months. You getting all of these jokes, all of this smoke, whether you want it or not. Secondhand smoke is coming. You getting all of these jokes right now, folks.
0: Yeah, and that's I, I hope this was a touch the stove moment uh you know i think a big reason why we got trump is because a lot of people didn't think it could happen so they either sat it out they voted you know for another party or they didn't get as involved because they didn't think oh well that thing could never actually happen well now we know that it could and i think now that makes people realize like okay i've got to be active i need to go vote i need to go do these things um so yeah you know wrapping it up for me at least like i've been saying. We're never going to get all 70 million. We're never going to get 100% of those people. And are some of them lost causes? Yeah, maybe. But if we get 25% of them, if you know someone who seems like they might be on the fence, who might be willing to open up, and yeah, maybe they don't always use the proper terms. Maybe they don't always see it exactly the way that you do. Um, But, you know, help bring them over to your side. Have a little bit of patience because taking those frustrations out on someone else on social media— that it doesn't do anything. It does not do anything other than make yourself feel slightly better uh, for, for just a, a couple seconds.
2: And, and I, like, I'll like i tell a personal story, Brian, and I'm not going to name the individual in, in question. But it's somebody that I've known for a while and somebody that I consider a friend. And they told me that they had voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. And so my immediate reaction was, you know, I appreciate you for telling me this. Uh it does not make me think that you're a racist or a homophobe or anything like that. It does make me raise an eyebrow. And so then following that, we had like a five, 10-minute conversation about the reasons why they voted for Trump and the reasons why I thought Trump was not the right person uh, for the past four years. And, yeah, like I'm not going to throw that person away because that person hasn't given me any reason over the time that I've known them to believe that they are a racist or they are somebody that will wish me harm or wish my family harm or wish the country harm. We just have a difference of opinion. And in my opinion, they voted for the wrong person, but that relationship is a relationship that can heal and move forward. So relationships like that, if you have those in your life, work on those, the folks that want to hit you with the Q and I stuff and, you know, all these rumors and theories and falsehoods and, and our lost causes, as Brian said, let it go cuz they're not worth your energy. They're not worth, you know, your mental health and well-being. Just work on the people you can work on and, and and move forward that way. Exactly.
0: And I think it requires something of all of us, you know. Joe Biden was not my my pick in the primaries. I'm not naive enough to think he's going to fix everything, but I also know that hey, yeah, if I'm wanting people to kind of come to the table, I'm I'm going to come to the table as well. So hopefully that's something we can all do uh here in the beginning of this uh administration moving forwards you know we all touch the stove uh you know we didn't spend too much time on this podcast you know talking about all the stuff trump's done because we've all heard about that way too much uh that's not what we want this thing to be about uh thank god we weren't doing this show every week for the last four years so we can just kind of come in in the end and be all sort of optimistic like this um but yeah i mean i think if um you know all the shows you and I have done throughout all the years, I think if there's been one message that all of them has have have sort of come down to, it's about, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, reaching across, seeing someone else's perspective uh, on, on stuff.
2: I mean, that's what that's what happens when when, when you uh, sign up for one of these bro man's experiences, Brian Man. <laughs> like you're gonna get a difference of opinion between me and my, my younger brother, uh, Brian Man. But the, uh, at the end of the day, again, like reasonable people can have disagreements. But if everybody's talking in good faith, if everybody knows that like there's a baseline of decency and respect and, and care for the other person, we can move forward. Absolutely. So, uh,
0: and, and and I think I, just, you know, we, we always try to end positively. Um, yes. And with that, Nate, I'm going to let you give the words of wisdom.
2: Oh Well, Brian, man, earlier I quoted uh, a, a great famous Texan, George W. Bush, you know, talking about You can't get fooled again. Well, let me close this week's proceeding by quoting another great Texan, the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And and this is the last thing I'm going to say about Donald J. Trump, people. Because I don't have a whole lot more to say about the way I feel about Donald Trump. That man has no respect, no honor. There's no honor amongst thieves in the first place. See, Donald Trump put hard times on the American people and their families know what hard times are donald trump hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work they got four or five kids can't pay their wages can't buy their food hard times is when the auto workers and the restaurant workers and the teachers are out of work because of coronavirus and you know what they tell them to go home hard times is when a man has worked at a job for 30 years 30 years they give him a watch kick him in the butt and say hey COVID-19 took your place, daddy. That's hard times. But today, we're in in the midst of a new day. The fight is not over. We still going to have to fight. But as long as we move forward together, we're going to be all right. So I just want to say, America, I'm proud of you. Thank God I have you. And I love you. I love you. We out. Here we go.
1: I don't understand why you can't lend a helping hand to another man who is your brother, man. Times must change, now here's the plan. Let's make this land a better better land. No, man. Step on my foot and flat exactly. You feel a brother's life should be tipped Don't be ridiculous Come on and get with this Movement for improvement Together we'll get rid of this setback and fact, The knowledge that we lack We'll gain back and be tracked. The steps that we lost back when times were hard But things are getting better They said when it's cold One should wear a sweater Crack a substance smoked by the idiots, sold by the thoughtless, allowed by the government. Those who speak politically, it's all trickery. I don't get with fools and fools, they can't get with me. Well, 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 look here. guess what happened? A fight at a concert and they blamed it on rapping. Don't you have anything else better to do than to just rap? And the things that we do make it a better land. Society brings tears to the eyes. Little kids chew your bubble gum. Go on and have your fun. Stay in school. Don't be a fool, and you will overcome. Ah, a new president to run the residence. That's who you voted for. Was it an accident? When you see me, don't diss me. Just wish me good luck. It's you that I'm here for. Without you, I would be stuck. So when I'm in town, don't put me down. Give me your pound. I'm not a ruler or a king. Not trying to wear a crown. You're going too fast. Slow down, or soon you will find yourself a at your very own funeral. You caught a bad hand. Let's make this land. Amazon. Amazon Prime for details.